It looks like the buzz for the Lions is real. Uh, tonight, the NFL releases their schedule, and uh, there's going to be a 8 o'clock special on ESPN, which I'll watch the same way I watch the draft, which is Googling it afterwards. Uh, but early reports say that as of right now, before uh, flex scheduling even starts, uh, the Detroit Lions will have three nationally televised games, including Thanksgiving, which is a given, uh, but it, it still counts. But uh, they open at Arrowhead against the uh, Chiefs. Week four, they play the Aaron Rodgers-less Packers at Lambeau, and then the aforementioned Thanksgiving game. And uh, I, I think what this proves is that the excitement over this team and the way they finished out the season last year, just missing the playoffs, um, which was outside of their control. They, they, they did everything they were supposed to do coming down the stretch, except for when they uh, screwed the pooch. I think it was uh, Christmas Eve against the Panthers. But they won out after that. They beat Aaron Rodgers in his final game at Lambeau. And uh, I feel like the um, spirit of SOL was not at Lambeau, uh, but it was at the Rams and Seahawks game because, uh, if I remember correctly, the Rams lost that game uh, in a very SOL way. Uh, but uh, it, it, this really is a, a no-lose situation for the Lions opening Thursday night Amazon Prime against the Kansas City Chiefs in KC uh, because if they lose, well, no big deal. It's the not only reigning Super Bowl champions, but uh, a team that uh, I would say is in the midst of a dynasty against uh, the best quarterback in the league who might actually eclipse Tom Brady once things are all said and done. And then uh, if they if they pull the upset, against uh, the the Kansas City Chiefs at their place, well, this town is going to go off. And historically, at least during the Dan Campbell tenure, the Lions have had tough opening games. His first uh, year was against San Fran, who made a deep playoff run. Uh, Last year, obviously, they lost to Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, who would go on to be NFC champions and and, uh, lose to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and now they're playing those Chiefs. So it'll be fun. It's, it was a great matchup. I remember last season, Thursday Night Football started off with a, a great matchup. I think it was Bills versus Chiefs. Um, and then, and then uh, the, the uh, matchups dropped off a little bit. But um, four Thursday night games, I'm sorry, two Thursday night games in the first four weeks. Okay, first one's the season opener, so no harm, no foul there. But uh, – these Thursday night games are tough on these teams. I mean, they lose two whole days of recovery, right? Friday, Saturday. yeah, two whole days uh, of of recovery. Uh, three, uh, if you uh, count the Monday night game, and uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see what the buzz is around Lions versus Packers Thursday night at Lambeau Field, Week Four, uh, because obviously uh, there's that built-in rivalry. But there's going to be no Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has become sort of the the villain that everybody rallies against. And I believe they're actually opening Monday night versus the Bills. 
uh, that week, Jets versus Bills. Um, it'll be four day, four weeks into the Jordan Love era, provided he stays healthy. And it's the, the, the buzz will either be falling flat or it'll be a fever pitch. Uh, because if, if Jordan Love gets off to a hot start, hey, wow, we're, we're, we're early on in the Jordan Love era. Uh, there was Favre for, for a decade. There was Aaron Rodgers for a decade. And now we got this guy for the next decade. So uh, I, obviously, uh, it'll be great to see the, the Lions play against uh, the most electrifying man, not Dwayne The Rock Johnson, the aforementioned Patrick Mahomes, in the NFL Week 1. But I'm really going to be interested to see what the buzz is going into that um, Thursday night week four game at Lambeau. And it's cool that uh, it's it's Lions versus Packers on Thanksgiving. Um, usually what happens is the Lions aren't expected to be very good. So the NFL puts them against a um, exciting team so that uh, people will tune in on Thanksgiving. But uh, um there's question marks around the Packers. And so I think this year, um, the Lions, the Lions are the actual exciting good team um, on the Thanksgiving game. And the Packers are, are the ones that, that are unproven. So again, I think it, uh, I, I think it lends some credibility to the, the buzz around this team. And uh, hopefully it's an excited season. Um, I don't think we're totally out of the SOL woods because if the Lions had a run like they had at the end of last season, and we've had this whole offseason uh, for people to get excited, and they crap the bed and go, what do they do, 17 games? So they crap the bed and go 5-12. and 12. Well, that would be the definition of SOL. Uh, last night, they, the uh, CNN Donald Trump town hall. I'm not sure what either side was trying to accomplish with this. Um, this morning, of course... The reaction is shock and horror about what Donald Trump said. Uh, but to me, it was, uh, it was his greatest hits. And I don't know why people get so shocked when uh, Donald Trump, as my friend Sean Belegian would say, says and does Donald Trump things. Uh, some of the highlights that were, uh, uh, were hit this morning, and, and uh, full disclosure, I got home late from door dashing last night. I tried watching it after uh, Devin and Kimberly on the 11 o'clock news on Channel 4, and uh, I probably fell asleep uh, about 15 minutes into it. But, you know, Donald Trump's greatest hits, um, talking about how the, the, the rioters on January 6th were there with love in their heart, and they were mostly peaceful, um, calling E.G. Carroll a, a whack job, um, refusing to um, concede that he lost the 2020 election, and, and, and a whole bunch of other things off the top of my head. And I don't know if CNN is trying to um, get all the Republican candidates to do a town hall. I don't know if this was some kind of ratings grab because the cable news primetime lineup Ratings war is up for grabs, but uh, it, it, it seemed like it was very much on brand. It seemed like uh, Caitlin Collins was there to kind of score her points and uh, dunk on Donald Trump. Donald Trump was there to dunk on CNN, and uh, it was pretty much a waste of waste of uh, everybody's time. So 
If you missed it, no big deal, because Donald Trump has said uh, said nothing that he hasn't been said since he came down that escalator in 2016. And uh, and so I don't know. Um, it, it seemed like uh, it, it seemed like CNN was giving him free airtime. Again, I don't know if they're going to have uh, Ron DeSantis or, or Nikki Haley on as well um, and, and have a town hall with, with, with all the Republican candidates. Um, that would make a little more sense. If not, last night uh, made, made absolutely no sense. And, and it kind of reminded me of when ESPN did the last dance, that, that Michael Jordan eight-part documentary. And then um, they, they, would, they would show the last dance. And then they would spend the next two days talking about the last dance. It's kind of what CNN's doing and, and other cable news uh, channels. Um, of course, MSNBC, who um, leans towards the left like CNN, um, they're they're even uh, criticizing it. But uh, but yeah, CNN CNN uh, right after this town hall, they had uh, like a special where they were breaking it down. So essentially on CNN, they spent the next hour talking about the previous hour of CNN. I mean, at least the, uh, the last dance was, was entertaining. Uh, they had an excuse to talk about it because it was during COVID, so it was the only thing going on. But uh, it, it seemed uh, kind of self-serving, and I was watching it trying to figure out exactly the purpose of it, and I couldn't figure it out. Uh, George Santos, the uh, tall tale-telling Congressman from New York um, had pled has pled not guilty yesterday, of course. And uh, some of the charges, I think there were, let me see, I think there were 13 charges against him. Let me look in my notes. But uh, as I looked that up, uh, some of the charges against him were uh, wire fraud, money laundering, making false statements to the House of Representatives and theft of public funds. And uh, the theft of public funds, it uh, stems from allegations that uh, George Santos collected $24,000 in uh, COVID unemployment benefits in New York while he actually had a job. Last Yesterday I said he lied about every job he had uh, and that he might not have had any jobs. Uh, it turned out that when he was collecting those $24,000 in New York COVID-19 unemployment benefits, he actually had a pretty good job down in Florida where he was making $120,000, uh, and that is a vetted fact. It's, uh, it's not a, a, a George Santos tall tale. 13-count indictment returned by a federal grand jury yesterday. Seven counts of wire fraud, three counts of money laundering, two counts of making false, uh, materially false statements to the House of Representatives, and one count of theft of public funds. Um, the theft of public funds uh, stems from uh, George Santos um, setting up a political action committee where he told donors that the money was going to go towards his, um, his campaign, and it turned out that he uh, spent it on... Uh, designer clothes, uh, personal credit card payments, and and other luxury uh, goods and items. So if he is found guilty, he could face up to 20 years in prison. And, uh, of course, even Kevin McCarthy, the Republican House leader, who I 
uh, criticized yesterday for uh, being feckless and weak uh, when it came to disciplining George Santos. Uh, he even said that he's not going to uh, support this guy anymore, even though Santos says he's running for re-election, which of course he is because he's a sociopath and um, he either feels like he's done nothing wrong or he uh, or he knows he's doing something wrong, but, but who cares? There's a lot of people in politics who know that they're full of crap and they're still uh, succeeding. I, I mean, I look at George Santos... And I apologize. I feel like I might have called them George Soros in the past by mistake because they're such uh, uh, similar names. But uh, I, I look at George Santos, and I actually feel bad for the guy. I, I, I mean, to me, he looks like somebody who, A, obviously should be nowhere near public office because he's dishonest and he's bad at lying. If you're going to be dishonest in, in, in public office, at least be good at lying. That's how you get elected. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. I, I see someone who needs help. This guy needs help. Um, I, I don't know why he's spinning all these tall tales. Um, I don't know what his end game was in this uh, world of, of information at your fingertips and 24-hour news cycles. Um, you, you got you to know that if you lie, especially if you're running for something as public as um, as as U.S. Uh, representative in Congress, it's going to come out. I mean, there's TV channels with 24 hours of, of day to fill with content. Uh, they got researchers. They're going to find you out. So I don't know what he was trying to accomplish. I don't know if he even thought that far. Uh, but I find him to be a tragic figure, if if nothing else. Yesterday, the FDA approved... Uh, the over-the-counter selling of the O-pill, which is a uh, birth control pill, 91% effective, uh, does not contain estrogen, which adds to, uh, which is the cause of a lot of medical side effects. Uh, the FDA approved the sale of this over-the-counter without a prescription. And obviously, uh, the critics are saying uh, multiple things. Uh, their big two their their big two arguments are a it might not be medically safe um, for a woman to take a birth control pill without a prescription or at least consulting with their doctor and uh, two there are people out there who say that there needs to be a minimum age uh, to sell the these over the counter birth control pills now the the medical concern I can see I'm not a doctor and I'm not a woman. So uh, I'm obviously not even qualified to be talking about this, but that hasn't stopped me with any other topic. Um, but, but, but to me, the, um, the legitimate concern is, um, is health. You know, I know that uh, the birth control pill, there's a lot of risks of side effects, and uh, there's a lot of women who can't take it, or there's a lot of women who have to uh, who aren't able to um, take it in the first place because of some serious health complications. Um, so I, I would say that's a legitimate concern. When it comes to the age limit, um, look, it, it's, it's, it's disturbing thinking about young teenagers using birth control. Uh, however, there's no age limit on condoms. And... I think that, I mean, what, what, what would the minimum age be? Would it be 18? Because 
I don't know if you remember being a teenager, but but uh, you know the majority of kids uh, are sexually active before they're eighteen. Not me. I wasn't that cool in high school. But you know, everyone else I knew at least claimed they were sexually active. Um. So, I I, I mean, yeah, making uh, p- putting an age limit in place. Um, for for people 18 or over is going to result in a lot more teenage pregnancies because it's not going to be a deterrent. Kids are stupid. Kids get caught up in the moment and they think, okay, well, I'll take I'll take precautions in the moment, and then the moment comes and they don't. So I I think if you ban the sale of this for for people under a certain age. Um, it's going to increase the uh, amount of, of unwanted teenage pregnancies, and it's also going to increase the amount of abortions, which uh, you know a lot of critics of these uh, pills are not for. Uh, they're, they're against abortion, and, and on, you know honestly, um, I'm pro-choice, but if I could magically wave a, wave a wand and get rid of abortions. Uh, I would, but you legally cannot. Uh, you you legally cannot outlaw them. Um, I think that uh, if you're a responsible parent, um, then you know. Hopefully, your child will come to you uh, about this. It's completely, completely reasonable for a parent to want to know if their kid is on birth control. Um, but but there are some parents who who kids don't feel safe talking to about this. Um, and, and, and so I think that, uh, if you're not going to have age limits on condoms, uh, for male contraceptives, you can't put age limits on female contraceptives. I mean, it's, if anything, if anything, it's an equality issue more so than an access issue. And of course, uh, I grew up white middle class. Um, so, you know, a lot of times I am blind to the, the, the profits and needs of more impoverished areas. But one of the big reasons the FTA passed this is that uh, there are, I believe Natalie Azar said on the Today Show, there are 19 million uh, people who live in what they call uh, health deserts where they don't have access uh, to doctors. They don't have access um, to um, pharmacies within a um, distance that it's easy for them to get to. And even if they did, they might not have the money for it. So this, um, making this available over-the-counter without an age limit um, is going to, um, is, is as much for the impoverished um, areas uh, that don't have access to birth control more so than anything else. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know if uh, we can look back five years and see some kind of causation, um, some kind of correlation between um, people having access to over-the-counter birth control and a drop-up off of abortion. But that should be the win-win here. All right? I, I, if, if, if you want to get rid of, of abortions then you can't outlaw contraceptives. Good contraceptives, or you can't be against contraceptives. Good contraceptives prevent abortions. And so for that, like I said, 
you're, you're kind of uncomfortable um, thinking that, uh, that kids under the age of 18 can get their hands on this. But we live in the real world. Kids are going to do what kids do. And we should make sure that they have access uh, to as many preventative measures as possible. And uh, hopefully they're responsible and make good decisions.